Welcome to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon, where our mission is bringing the good news and demonstrating the kingdom. Join us live for Worship in the Word, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We hope you are encouraged and equipped by this week's word with our senior pastor, Emily Tadro. That's a good word. I don't need to preach. We just heard a really good word. Um, I'll keep it short because I do feel like the Lord gave me something. I've been chewing on this for a couple weeks, and um, I don't think it's fully developed. I actually feel like this is something the Lord's going to be doing in us, specifically Jesus' pursuit this year. Um, But the Lord was speaking to me in the last couple weeks out of um, just the story of Joseph. You guys know Joseph, the prince of Egypt? All the moms and dads with, like, little kids have at least seen the video, I think, the prince of Egypt. But um, it's a crazy story, actually. Um, I'm not going to read all the chapters, so don't worry. But there's something out of the life of Joseph that... is something that we can learn from for our own personal lives. And there's something that God did in and through Joseph's life that I believe he's doing for us right now. If we will have the eyes to see it and posture our hearts to move into the things that he's leading us into. Um, So just a little backtrack a little bit about the story of Joseph. Um, He was, as you know, he was the favorite son of 12 sons from um, Jacob. He He was definitely the beloved son. And he was one of the younger sons, and he, he knew he was favored. Have you ever met a person like that? that was favored and knew they were favored. And um, some would call them arrogant. But I would say they know who they are. And sometimes when you know who you are and you know whose you are, you walk with a confidence that others find offensive because they don't live in that reality yet. But that's actually the reality that we're all supposed to live in, is that we actually know who we are, and we know that we are God's favorite. And I don't know if you feel that way this morning, that you are favored, chosen, and actually his favorite. But you are. I love that Misty Edwards song, Jesus, here I am, your favorite one. Oh, I remember when we first started singing that, it was like, you could feel just like, that's too bold to sing, you know? Like, but it's true. I can be God's favorite one, and it doesn't affect you, because you're his favorite one too. I actually say that to my daughters. When they walk in the room, sometimes in front of the other one, 
say, oh, Taylor, there you are, my favorite daughter. And then I give Audrey a hug, and I say, you are my very most favorite daughter. And it's, it's true. I can't love one of them more than the other. And they are absolutely my favorite. Well, Joseph was favored, and he knew it, and he lived in it. And he lived like a favored son. And his brothers did not. Not because they weren't. Maybe they weren't. It was the old covenant. Maybe they didn't understand grace yet. But they worked hard for their father. And they were jealous of Joseph. So much so that um, when Joseph, being the, the favored son that he was, stepped into part of his call as a dreamer. He was a dreamer. He had crazy dreams. And he knew that they were going to come true. And he told his family about it. And in some of his dreams, it made, him, it made his brothers look like somehow they were going to be, you know, lower than him. And it really offended them. And so much so that they, they plotted a plan to kill him. That's pretty intense. Can you imagine being so jealous of someone that you, like, could not stand the favor on their life that you actually plotted a plan to kill them? I mean, that's, that's an intense way of walking it out. But did you know that envy is actually, it's not just that you're jealous that you want it for yourself. They, these, these brothers were so envious of Joseph. It wasn't just that they wanted the favor that he had. They did not want him to have it. And envy does that. It's like, not only do I not want, do I want it for myself, but I, don't, I can't stand to see you have it. And it causes you to do crazy things. And envy is actually the seed of where murder, like, begins to grow. It's, it's gross. And it's in the heart of man and woman. So there's some things for ourselves to learn from the brothers to check ourselves. Because you think it's crazy that they wanted to kill him, but that thing can grow. That seed of envy can grow. So one of the brothers, Judah, actually came to his senses a little bit and said, like, no, we cannot kill our brother. But what we can do is throw him in this pit until we figure out what we're going to do. We're going to take off his fancy coat because he had a fancy coat from his dad. We're going to rip it up. We're going to dip it in blood. We're going to make it look like he got eaten by an animal, and then we're going to figure this out. And so they did that, and then they saw some... Midianites, and they decided, let's sell him into slavery. We'll see how humble he can get. Now he goes from being this highly favored son to a slave. He doesn't have his dad looking out for him anymore. He's a, he's a slave. He has no rights. He has no anything. He's owned by someone else. He doesn't even have his own humanity Did you ever think about that? Like, that's what slavery actually really takes away from you is your own humanity. You have nothing. You are stripped to the absolute, like, 
bottom. There's nothing, and your humanity, you are not even treated as human. And that's what his brothers sold him into. And they went back, showed dad his bloody coat. He got eaten by an animal, dad, sorry. Time to move on. I think they were thinking maybe they'd be favorites after that, you know? But that was not the case. And, um, but Joseph is in slavery, okay? I'm just giving you the paraphrased version. He goes with the Midianites, and they end up selling him again to an Egyptian officer named Potiphar. He worked for Pharaoh. He was a, a chief officer. He was like, you know, like the general or something. He was a big deal in the Egyptian um, government. And so Joseph goes, and he's now a slave in Potiphar's house. Well, there's something about Joseph. And if you read in this, um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read a little bit in Genesis chapter 39. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And I want you to hear this. The Lord was with Joseph. If you read these chapters, you will see that line again and again. The Lord was with Joseph. And because the Lord was with Joseph... He was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and saw that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Okay, so there's two ways people can respond to the favor of God on your life. One is envy and jealousy, want to kill you, squash you. Then there's someone who will use the favor They recognize the favor of God on your life, and they'll go, I'm going to use that for my gain, which is what Potiphar did. He was a smart guy. He wasn't intimidated by the favor on Joseph's life. He was going to leverage it. Have you ever felt like that? It's okay, because the Lord was with Joseph. Now, it doesn't say in here how Joseph postured his heart, but you can see the way that Joseph postured his heart from the actions that he does. You can see the way that Joseph postured his heart from the things that he does. If you continue on down in this, it just says, you know, Joseph worked with integrity. Joseph um, served. Joseph... um, Blessed. He, it just There's these different key words that you can see where Joseph's heart is in this. So you're talking about a person who has been, goes from favor to decrease in a moment at the hands of his family, the people who are supposed to have his back more than anybody. He goes from favor to decrease. Then he goes from subhuman <laughs> to serving in someone else's house and someone recognizing the favor on his life and allowing him to be who he is. So if we read on, it says, Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight. The Lord was with him and made all that he did to prosper in his hands. Joseph served Potiphar. He made him, and Potiphar made him an overseer of his house 
And all that Joseph did, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him an overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in his fields. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hands. So he is Potiphar. Thus Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hands, so much so that he did not even know what he had except for the bread which was given to him to eat. He recognized the favor so much on Joseph's life that he turned over his whole house to him. So much so that he didn't know where anything was coming from or where anything was going to. He only knew what was handed to him. This is the chief of the Egyptian guards sees the favor resting on a man's life because the Lord is with him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the way that Joseph served the Lord, served his master, Potiphar, as a slave, the integrity that he walked in, the favor that was on his life, the Lord was with him. Potiphar had the mind to see what was going on and, and said, this guy's got it going on. I'm going to actually let him run my whole house. That's a big deal. He didn't know what was going on in his own home because he trusted the integrity of Joseph. Now, it doesn't say that he trusted the integrity of Joseph, but why else would he do it? There's some things that you get to infer from what you read. It's like Joseph was a stellar dude. It also says he was extremely handsome. Literally, it says Joseph was handsome. So, I mean, he had favor on his life and he was handsome? That seems like too much. But it wasn't. It wasn't too much for the Lord. Um, and Potiphar's wife really liked what she saw in Joseph. I mean, I think it's weird that Potiphar would hand over his whole house and not pay any attention. I, I think Potiphar's wife recognized that. Like, this is an open door for me. And it probably was an open door for Joseph, too. But Joseph, as you will see here, he stood in integrity and he served excellently. Potiphar's wife wanted what she saw when she saw Joseph, and she made, a, she made a play for him. And he said, no, thank you. I'm serving my, you know, my, my master. I'm going to walk with integrity. Thank you, no. And she didn't like that. So as he's trying to get away from her, she grabs his cloak, his coat. He has a problem with coats. He should stop wearing coats. Because they get him into trouble. But she grabs his cloak and she starts screaming for people in the house. And she says, I mean, now she's got his coat in her hand. And she totally frames him. For the second time in his life, he's completely had a false story made up about him. And, um, and she basically says that he tried to rape her. And, you know, she's like, the Hebrew did this to me in my in my husband's house, and is the exact opposite of what was said. He honored 
his master's house. He did the right thing. And it, it seemingly did not pay off for him, but he maintained his integrity. He kept his heart pure. And he was in prison for a crime he did not commit. But if you'll read, and you'll keep reading again, it says, there he was in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. The Lord was with Joseph. And again, Joseph does not stop being favored Joseph. He does not, his circumstances did not change who he was one minute. That's something that we need to like see and take hold of. Because how many times, I mean, just one person can look at us crooked and it can set our whole day askew. Like, and somehow it can rattle our insides enough to be like, I can't show up to this, I can't do this thing. Am I wrong? Or does that happen to other people too? He was, I mean, way worse than someone looking at him cross-eyed. But he kept his integrity. And he continued to rest in the favor of the Lord in prison for a crime he didn't commit, diminished for the second time. And it says, this is 39 verse um, 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the prison keeper. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever they did there, it was Joseph's doing. The keeper of the prison didn't look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with Joseph, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Who is this guy? He's you. This, is, this could be any of us. No matter what circumstance, if we would just posture ourselves in the same way. Do you believe that the favor of the Lord is on you? It is. And I think sometimes we get so, like, walk by sight instead of by faith, instead of by the truth of the realm that we can't always see with our natural eye. And we get sucked into circumstance. We get sucked into the natural realm of, like, this poo storm is swirling around me. This is my reality. This is my circumstance, and this is the way it's going to be. When somebody says something untrue about us, we feel like we have to defend ourselves instead of just living out of our truth of who God called us to be. I don't see Joseph defending himself. He, he actually doesn't defend himself. He just does what is right. I've heard a lot of messages about Joseph and his lack of humility and how God had to humble him and do all of these things. I don't see that in Scripture you can use that and say that. Maybe humility did happen for him. What I see is again and again, the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him in every space. The Lord causes him to remember who he is and to rise to the occasion, no matter where he is. No matter where he is. So much so. So then, I don't know how much time goes by, but in prison, he's... 
He went from running Potiphar's house to running the prison. And he was moved into a special place in the prison for, um, you know, it'd be like where Martha Stewart went, like that part of prison, like for celebrities. Um, Because he ended up in a space in prison to dwell with the, the Pharaoh's butler and the Pharaoh's baker. So these were like important people. I don't know... I'm sure it says why they were in prison. I just am bypassing that part. But um, they both had dreams in prison. And they share their dreams, and they're intense. And Joseph interprets the dreams and says to them, in three days' time, these dreams are coming to pass. So Joseph not only had favor on his life, but he also had a gift of revelation and a gift of wisdom. The Lord was with him. And he speaks to these two and says to the, the butler, this is a good dream. In three days' time, you're going to be back in the palace putting wine in, in Pharaoh's hand. You're going to be back in a place of favor. And when you do that, remember me. That's the first time we see him asking for anything. He's like, I know I don't belong here. So when you get to a place of where you can speak a good word on my behalf, would you remember me? The baker, he says, uh, your dream's not as good. Unfortunately, you're going to be beheaded in three days' time. Please don't mention me. Um, no, he doesn't say that. I made that up. But he did say, it's not going to go well for you. I'm sorry. They might have had, you know, a final meal. I don't know. But um, all of that came to pass. The baker was killed in three days' time, and the butler was restored to Pharaoh's house. And you know what? The butler forgot all about Joseph, which I just think is wild. You get your get-out-of-jail-free, somebody speaks it into existence, tells you how to posture yourself when you are presented to Pharaoh, and you forget about the guy who gives you the inside scoop. But he... He did. He forgot about him. And for, it says for two more years, Joseph remained in prison. For two more years, he was forgotten by man. But guess what? You know the line. The Lord was with him. I don't know what kind of stuff was going on in Joseph's heart in those two years. But when... Pharaoh had a dream that troubled him. It was two different dreams, back to back, and he had no idea what they meant, and he called for all of his fortune tellers, and he called for all of his wise men, and no one could interpret the dream. They had no idea what it meant. Then the butler remembered. I know a guy. I remember... I was in prison. He spoke this into existence. He interpreted my dream. It was correct. And now I'm back here because of this man. Call Joseph. He'll know what your dream means. So he does. He calls Joseph. He tells him the dream. He brings him into the palace. Joseph knows exactly what the dream means, and the wisdom of God comes out of his mouth. I know you guys have, you know this story. But it's so powerful because he is diminished, betrayed, 
maligned, beaten, like all of these things. He's in the lowest of the low. His humanity is taken away, and the Lord is with him in all of it. And he recognizes that the Lord is with him, and he does not change who he is. His circumstances did not change who he was made to be. That's for us. I want to say to you this morning, I don't know what's going on in your world. I know a lot of your stories. I don't know everybody, but I know enough to know that hard things have happened. I know enough of my own story to know that hard things have happened. Things are said about you that are not true. What looks like being diminished, what looks like being hidden, forgotten, a season that nobody knows your name, who cares? The Lord is with us. Who cares? The Lord is with us. And that was Joseph's posture. And then there was a moment where he goes into the place that he was always meant to be. Joseph knew he was always meant to be in a palace, having influence. He saw it in a dream as a young man. Doesn't say how old he was, but he was a teenager. He was a young man. He could have been Audrey's age. Whole life ahead of him. Nothing but dreams. And it looked like nothing was going his way. And he speaks a strategy into existence to the Pharaoh based on a dream that the Lord had given him. How did Joseph know what that dream was about? Yeah, it was the Lord. How do you know the voice of the Lord? How do you know revelation from God? Unless you stay close to him. Unless you know that the Lord is with you. Unless you have a relationship and a connection. So that's Joseph. And then he gets into this place where Pharaoh recognizes, as did everybody who wasn't in Joseph's father's house, as, as did everybody who wasn't familiar to him. Anytime he would go to these other places, they would see the favor of God on his life, and they would say, I'd be dumb not to partner with that. Pharaoh recognized, and he said, I got to skip to that. Um, Well, he, he says, I can't find it now because my eyes are too blurry. But um, he says, basically, you are wise. And um, inasmuch as God has shown you, there is no one as discerning as, and as wise as you. You shall come be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. And only according, in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. That's the third time now that somebody has said, I see God in you. I see that the Lord is with you. I'm going to put you in charge. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you great influence. And so he does this. He wraps a gold chain around his neck. He gives him brand new clothes. He gives him a signet ring. He gives him a house. He gives him a wife. He gives him a new name. 
And so Joseph went out all over the land of Egypt. And it says Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he began to implement a strategy that the Lord reveals to him. Because of staying in the space, this is who I am. This is who God has made me to be, and this is who God is in my life. That's wild. And he begins to put in motion a strategy in the seven years of plenty to gather grain, to gather all of the resources that they can that are extra. They, they begin to like to really strategize, how can we in these seven years of plenty, can we create storehouses that we don't need right now? We have to see farther than we are in right now. We have to create storehouses for something that is to come. And so he does it, and they trust him. And it says, Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand is of the sea, so much so until he stopped counting because it was immeasurable. The resources that God began to entrust Joseph with were immeasurable because of his faithfulness, because of his obedience, because of him standing in that place of integrity and leaning into the Lord is with him. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. And then it says, this is something, this is what I really feel like the Lord is leading us into specifically. And when I say us, I want to look at like each one of you, each person in this room. This is for you. This is not just for a corporate expression. This is for you personally. In, I'm going to get emotional, so just let it happen. In the stuff that you have been encountering, in the hardships, in the pain, in the diminishment, in the betrayal, in the your name is mud, in all of the things, in the sickness, in the last three years, in in all of the stuff of life that has felt like you are experiencing the, the strong opposition to your call, to who God has made you to be, to your dreams, to the promises on your life, and to your very character. This is what the Lord is going to do for you. And to Joseph were born two sons. And this happened before the years of famine came. They were born to him, and this daughter that was given to him by Tamari from um, Pharaoh. They were born to him, and Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me forget all of my toil and all of my father's house. And the name of the second he named Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. These two things God is going to be doing, I feel it as a prophetic word to you personally. In these days to come, you are going to begin to experience healing from the pain of the past. From the toil of the past, you are going to experience Manasseh in your life. 
And some of it may even came at the expense of your family. Some of the biggest pains that you have, or the, you know, the like raging against your character and all of those things. Didn't, my family is perfect, of course. My, there's never, you know, I, I'm lying. That's not true. We're not perfect. It's just when your family's sitting in the room, you just have to say that. It's not all intentional, heartache. I would say none of it's intentional. But you know what? We're human. We live life with each other. I would say most of the pain that I've carried from my father's house has nothing to do with my father and everything to do with my own fear and the voice of the enemy in my life. Comparison, external pressure that has nothing to do with anyone else. But it becomes a real thing. And you know, I, uh, I'm going to go back to this Manasseh and Ephraim. But I want to tell you, I had a dream this week, or last week, it was last week, last Saturday. I had been wrestling with God. And I finally went back to sleep and my, I had a dream, and I, the dream itself is not important, but there were tormenting words being spoken to me by, by my dad in the dream. And you had nothing, you would never say this to me in real life. But my dad was saying, all these wasted years, all these wasted years. And in my dream, I stopped and I said, that is not my father. That is my soul realm. Be quiet and wake up. And I'm telling you this because it had nothing to do with my dad. My soul realm had picked up something that would hold me back from stepping into what God was speaking for the steps forward for this next season of life. And my soul realm was afraid of wasting years that my father had sown into. That he's never said those words to me. I'm just telling you this. I'm just being vulnerable to say, what is the thing that your soul realm has picked up and carried that it is the, the pain, the toil, of the last season that God wants to set you free from and give you Manasseh. Give you something new. Birth something brand new in you that is full of joy and full of blessing. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Lord has caused me to forget all of my toil, all of my work, all of my regret, all of the toil is not just hard work. Toil is like exhausting, fruitless work. Toil is like the word that you use when it's like, I did all, it's, toil is the all these wasted years. That's like the epitome of the explanation of what toil is. Does anybody feel all these wasted years today? You don't have to. 
But a lot of us carry that inside of us. And I want to tell you what I told myself in my dream. Be quiet. That is not the voice of your father. That is your soul realm. Wake up. I've never ever in my life commanded myself to wake up from my sleep. Not a single moment in my life have I ever done that. I have all kinds of wild dreams. There's many dreams I've wanted to command myself out of. But there was this knowing in the midst of my dream. It is awesome. And it was, it was the Lord is with me, even in my dream life. I want to say that to you. He knows those things on the depths of the inside of you. That thing that's been dogging you, it is not the voice of your father. It is your soul. And it is the enemy of your soul. And he needs to be quiet. And we need to wake up to actually who we are. Now, Ephraim is named, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Did you know that even when it's terrible, even when you are in the land of your affliction, what could the land of your affliction be? Possibly horrible circumstances. Possibly financial, you know, devastation, sickness, broken marriage, all of those things. What is, what is the land of your affliction? Could you be fruitful in that and actually birth something in the midst of that that is a blessing? Before you can do that, God wants to birth a newness of life that isn't connected to regret or pain of the past. He wants to actually heal us of that, cause you to forget. Doesn't mean that it didn't happen. You just don't remember the pain of it. It doesn't have that sting and that stain power. How many of us need to get free from the pain of the past? Like, it's a thing that lingers, and it's like, is that going to come back? Is that still there? He's birthing in you this year. I believe it with all that I am because of other things that the Lord has spoken to me. He is birthing in you Manasseh this year, causing you to forget the pain of your past. And what comes next is being fruitful, even in the midst of the land of your affliction. This is good news. We can't get to the next part till we have these two babies. And I don't even want to say the rest of the story. Maybe I will next week. Maybe we'll just wait until it's that time. But I know that the Lord wants to birth something in you today. Manasseh, Ephraim. And he wants to bring healing and restoration to your soul. So, I, God is so good. I did not know this song existed. I have been waiting to listen to this album for a while. I was like, I want to listen to it when I have a long drive. 
And um, Rita Springer is one of my favorite worship leaders, and she has this young gal that she's been walking with in recent years. Her name is Anna Golden, and she has this album called Church. And, um, and they released it earlier in 2023, and I've been waiting to listen to it because I just, I just, I kind of knew that there was something in there that was going to wreck me. And honestly, it comes out of this whole thing of like church, the good, the bad, the ugly, the pain of the past, all of this stuff. I knew there was going to be an inner healing as I listened to this album. So I just waited, and I finally listened to it this week. Wouldn't you know that there is a song on that album called Manasseh? Who says that word? But I asked Stephen if he would play this. I want us to pray this morning and just get in a space before the Lord and let him sing this song over you. I believe a deliverance is coming. A freedom to your heart and to your soul is coming. Thanks for listening to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon. If you would like to be a part of seeing people encounter God, experience transformation, and be equipped to advance the kingdom, you have the opportunity to partner with us through giving at jesuspursuit.org forward slash give. Together, we can make Jesus famous in Albany, the Northwest, and the nations. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.